mean it. I, I have this fear of enclosed spaces. I think everything must go back to the fact that I had a very anxious childhood. I, I, I feel physically inadequate. I gave it a lot of thought. The truth is, this therapy is a jerk off. You know it, and I know it. Well, uh, I, I guess I, deep down I'm, I'm feeling a little confused. But the thing is, I mean, since our discussion's here, I feel I have a right to my own feelings. The simplest way to put it, I have problems. I worry about diseases, so uh, I have trouble touching things. I'm prone to depression. A certain bleak attitude about the world. But I know I can handle it. You're listening to Mental Wealth, a podcast about people's mental health experiences and the tools of recovery. Hi everyone, welcome to Mental Wealth with me, Simon Tierney. This is episode four in this series of podcasts for News Talk in which we discuss a different mental health condition in each monthly episode. This show is not intended to be a substitute for professional treatment, but rather an exploration of mental health issues and the tools of recovery. In this episode, we're looking at TTM, trichotillomania, the problem hair pulling condition, an illness which suffers from much stigma, but which we will also try to demystify today. My guest is Casey, a student from Dublin. So um, tell me, you started to experience the symptoms of TTM about 12 years ago. Tell me about the time when you first realised that there might be a problem. Um, it wasn't actually me that realised, it was my parents that kind of, was like, what's this about? And I didn't know. And um, then we went to speak to the GP and the GP referred me on to a clinic in Rathgar and uh, did some CBT and it seemed to go away for a while. And now it's back, but not as severe as it was when I was younger. So were you diagnosed then when you went to the GP or...? Um, in the clinic, I think it's called Lu- Lucina, Lucina Clinic. They diagnosed me. And where is that? Uh, Rathgar. Okay. Yeah. And somewhere around there. And um, yeah, then I was an like an outpatient there, I suppose, for near enough a year, and the CBT really helped, and seemed to go away, and then it came back, but as I said, not as severely. So since then, it's it's mild enough, but it's still there. So you were a teenager when it first started to affect you? Yeah, I was young enough. It was just heading into the teenagers, I suppose. And I couldn't tell you what started it or what kept it going, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's been there that long. So a lot of listeners probably won't be familiar with TTM. Can you try and explain what it is? I know it's hard. <laughs> yeah, no, there isn't a lot of awareness out there. and But um, it's you just get, they say urges, but to me, you wouldn't even notice them just to either pull your eyebrow hair out or your hair out of your head. And uh, you don't, you just don't notice it. And to what extent does that happen? I mean, is it once or twice a day or is it? It's frequently throughout the day, but there's the odd time you'll catch yourself and kind of go, what are you doing? Stop. And you do actually stop. But some people just don't. And I have seen some horrible things online. And I was at a group meeting before. The only one I ever went to in uh, St. Pat's. And there was a girl there and God love her. She had to wear a wig like it was that bad. 
thankfully I don't but yeah and um how has the how has it changed now that you're in your mid-20s um for a while there like when I was heading into the early 20s I just tried something by every time I noticed I was doing it I was like stop and then for I'd say near enough to six months it was gone and then I suppose with the stress of like the assignments and exams and college and all this that it has flared again. The HSE website has some information on it. I just want to read out what it says. It says trichotillomania is an impulse control disorder. This means it is a psychological condition where you are not able to stop yourself carrying out a particular action. You will feel an intense urge to pull your hair out and growing tension until you do. After pulling your hair out, you will feel a sense of relief. How does that description relate to your own experience? Um, yeah, it's it's accurate enough. But I think, the, I don't know, like the urge. No, it wouldn't be an urge. It's really something you do subconsciously now. Really? Yeah. You don't, it's not as you have this feeling you need to do. It's just, it's done. Yeah, so you don't even have time to check yourself before. No. Okay. And um, what about that bit at the end where it says, after pulling your hair out, you will feel a sense of relief? No, not particularly. There's no relief. You just, as I said, it's there, it's done. It's more so the sense of, why did I do that? Yeah, okay. And um, what about its relationship with anxiety then? Like, do you feel anxious when you're caught up in TTM? No, it's for me, like at the start, I think it was. The stresses of college life and social life and all, but um, no, not anymore. It's just it's become habitual now. Mm. It's something you don't realise you're doing. You've done it, and you're like, why? Okay. So there's nothing really. So there's no anxiety side effects for you, or were there in the past? There probably were in the past, but um, no. Now it's it seems the most common time is when I'm actually relaxing. Really? Yeah. So like when I'm on the go, I don't have the time. That sounds so weird. I don't have the time to do it. Yeah. But um, now when I'm relaxing, like say I'm reading a book or, I don't know, watching TV or something, that'd be the most common time. Yeah. Now. So in that sense, then, does that mean that when you're occupied and busy, that the symptoms go down? Yeah, definitely. Like if I have, I don't know, cooking or something, I definitely wouldn't. Okay. At the time, nor would I in the kitchen. But uh, yeah, no, when you have something to do, that's when it's not there. But when you don't have something to do, that's when it's there. When it was really bad for you, to what extent were you pulling out your hair? I'll be like every few minutes. It was like at one stage I was looking back at my Deb's photos and I had like uh, my hair kind of up in a quiff or something. Well, you could actually notice by the end of the night, you could see like a faint bit of baldness on the side. And I was like, no, I have to stop this. Yeah. So that's okay. when I went on to the OCD webpage and found the link for the monthly uh, TTM meetings. And after one meeting, I stopped for six months. Wow. Yeah. Why do you think the support group had such a profound effect on you? I don't, It could be like the fact that others... Where, like, I wasn't the only one with the condition. Yeah. I don't, I honestly don't know, but it did last six months. And ever since I'm like, oh, I'll go back for another six months, it'll stop. Yeah. 
people find the time. And tell me, when it was really bad, like that time when you were at your Debs, is it painful? Not painful, no. More so embarrassing. Like, if, if I don't know, like, I wouldn't tell. I don't think I've told anyone. Bar my parents, obviously, no. Um, no, it's more so embarrassing. Have a listen to this. Since the beginning of time, people have been, you know, frightened and, and unhappy and they're scared of death and they're, they're scared of getting old. And there's always been priests around and shamans and now shrinks to tell them, look, I know you're frightened, but I can help you. <clears throat> of course, it is going to cost you a few bucks. A scene from 2003's Anything Else by Woody Allen there, which leads us into the whole area of getting better. Katie, you said that you did some CBT. Um, CBT, of course, is Cognitive Behavioural Therapy. Can you describe what that entailed? Um, it's basically replacing one habit with another kind of thing. Okay. Um, keeping weekly logs of your most stressed points and when you did it and ways that you didn't want to do it or like what you replaced that behaviour with. Okay. So like there's some crazy ones online like wearing mittens to bed and stuff. Oh why is would sometimes would you do it in your sleep? Oh no just when as I said when I'm relaxing just you know yeah. the last few minutes before you head off to sleep flicking through Facebook or whatever. Yeah. Um, but she, no I never wore mittens to bed. Okay, so can you give the listeners ex- an example of what you did with CBT? What were the sort of activities that you were required to do that you found helpful? Well, the weekly journal was more so just... So what you'd write down, how you were feeling or what you yeah, were doing? how you're feeling, what you're doing, how did you feel after? And I just, that was so tedious, but it had to work somehow because it calmed it down a lot. Really? yeah. And was that one-on-one CBT or in a group? Yeah, no, it was one-on-one. Um, I think it was around six months every week or every second week like that. And yeah, it was it was a great help, just very tedious. So in the aftermath of that CBT treatment, did the symptoms of the trick go down? Um, partially, yeah, they calmed down a bit, but I knew... Like, I had the tools now to get out of the situations that led me to be that bored, that led me to doing, pulling out the hair. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was helpful. But um, So when was that, roughly? God. Early 20s? Oh, early 15, 16. Oh, that really? Age. Yeah. So about 10 years I ago. I think it is, like, an under-18s kind of clinic. Yeah. But, um, was that in St. Pat's? No, that was, I think it's called Lucina or Lucina Clinic. Okay. Out there near Rathgar. Okay. Um, and they uh, obviously they welcome people who have trick yeah there yeah okay that's good for the listeners to know how has the how has your experience with trick affected your relationships or your family life it hasn't you said that your your parents have been supportive to you yeah Um, at the start like it was I think it was my dad who noticed it it's like that's not normal and I, like, I wouldn't have noticed it, but um, I think they're the only two people who kind of know about it. And okay. it's not, like, it's not a spoken thing. Yeah. But, um, and yeah, do no, you have a, do you have a partner? Yeah. And do, does that person know about your experiences? No. No? No. After six, seven years, no. Okay, so is that because, that's quite remarkable. Uh, well done. <laughs> is that because you've been able to conceal it or that the symptoms have been relatively 
um, unnoticeable for the last few years? Um, a bit of both, yeah. Like, obviously I'm the one who does the hoovering, so he wouldn't notice <laughs> if there was, like, a big episode or anything. Mm. But, um, no, it hasn't been, like, it hasn't been that bad in okay. recent years, so there's not much to, I suppose, notice. Would there be an occasion every now and then where there would be a bad episode? Um, yeah. Like, just as I said, when I'm pretty bored or when I know I have, like, tomorrow's Monday kind of thing. So you might be feeling a bit down or feeling a bit blue that yeah, the week be. is about to start. It could be something like that, yeah. Okay. And what would a bad episode entail? I suppose, like, anything up to half an hour of just picking away, like. Okay. But that that's rare enough. Okay. But um, by the end of that half an hour, there's probably, there's a lot of hair that's been pulled out. Yeah. Um, how does that make you feel then at the end of that episode? Embarrassed, kind of, like, you, you always question yourself, why? Yeah. What was the need for that? Like, I have a great life, I'm, why? <laughs> I know, I know. Is it upsetting? I think you can choose to let it upset you or you can choose to kind of go, well, look, the next time, I'm like a New Year's Eve pact, I'm going to stop kind of thing again. Yeah. So you're hopeful and keep going and... Oh, yeah, because I know if I did it for six months, I could do it for six years kind of thing. So the HSE on their website, as I mentioned before, they say that trichotillomania affects up to 4% of the population, right? A lot more people than it seems because very few people talk about it. So very few people do talk about it. You described it to me before as the unspoken condition. Um, Are you aware of any stigma associated with it? No, because no one really, as well, in my opinion, no one knows about it. Yeah, You'd so it's almost really be studying it. It's too. beyond stigma in a way, isn't it? Because it's not talked about. Yeah. Why do you think it's not talked about? Be- I think, well, especially for females, like, like getting your hair done is a big thing. Yeah. Not pulling it out. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's, you wouldn't, you wouldn't just think, oh, that someone does that. It's just, it's not normal, if you know what I mean. But yeah, it happens. It's a hard thing for people to talk about. Oh yeah, I'd say like it's really embarrassing. Like a genuine hit. Why is it embarrassing though? Because it's not something that you necessarily choose to do. It's a it's a condition. It's a diagnosable condition. So why is it embarrassing for people, do you think? I don't know. I, I suppose cuz it's so rare and yeah, unthinkable to do. Yeah. Like, unless you have it, you're like, I oh, know, you couldn't put yourself... It's really hard to rationalise, isn't it? Yeah, with other areas of mental health, like, say, anxiety, people are like, they can be, they can put themselves in their shoes. But with this, it's like, you can't imagine doing that. You just couldn't. You said before to me um, that it gets worse during times of college stress. <laughs> you're rolling your eyes there. Why <laughs> do you think that is? I don't know, because it's just a build-up of, you know, that feeling like, dread oh I have this mm. exam tomorrow and I want 70% but I think I'm only getting 50 but I'm only putting in the effort of 30 kind of thing yeah so it's just I suppose it's a way of not focusing too much or not dealing with mm. that you have that a lot of mental health conditions can flare up during times of stress um, like college stress or work stress um, do you have any techniques that you can use to try and combat that? Like, say, for example, if you have an assignment that has to be in for college or you have an exam coming up, 
you must be aware now that you are vulnerable at that time to the trick getting bad. Is there anything that you can do or that you do do in order to try and alleviate that kind of wave of of trick? Yeah, I suppose one of the big things was um, we have an office in my house and uh, that's where it got really bad. So instead of going to the office now to study or do the uh, assignment, I'll go to the library. No way am I going to pull out my hair in a library. like. Mm. So That's, that's really like, interesting. So you find, obviously, if you're in a private space, like the office in your house, there's no one watching. Yeah. So you can do it without feeling embarrassed. But if you're in a public space... Yeah, you just, you don't. Mm. And so, you find that effective? Yeah, remove yourself from the situation where you're doing it most. Okay. And then, like, the big one that helped me for that six months when I did stop um, was just actually saying the word stop. Like, so I'd be going to do it and put the hand down and go, no, stop. And it worked for all of six months, I'd say, near enough. Yeah. So that was a great help as well. Okay. Um, How helpful have your parents been then? How understanding have they been? Like, were they aware of Trick before you started to exhibit? No. And... uh, no, uh, my father's actually a doctor as well, not a GP, but like a doctor in mental health services. And no, it wasn't, like I'd say he'd heard of it, but uh, no, didn't focus too much on it. And He's a mental health doctor. Yeah. Then, But even, even for him as a mental health doctor, it was kind of unexplored territory. Yeah, he'd be in his late 60s now, so yeah, I suppose a different era. But um, I suppose after... When I was really young, I went to the clinic and after that, it kind of wasn't spoken about. But the odd time mum would notice and be like, yeah, you know, stop. And so I'd go into another room and do it probably. So nowadays you're about 25, around 25? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So tell me what is the situation at the moment with your trick? Um, How is it for you at the moment? It'd be daily, but not all day. One day it could be two or three times a day. The next day it could be ten or eleven. Yeah. So it's it's I suppose what would you call it sporadic. Mm. It's just there. obviously this is radio, so the listeners can't see you, but I can see you've got beautiful long head of hair. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I don't notice anything, but uh, which would suggest to me that you know it's you're not doing it too much, which is great. Yeah. Um, but a little bit. Yeah. Okay. But then you have to kind of think there is people out there who's doing it a lot. Yeah. And for them not to give up hope, because I was a lot. I, like, what was his name? Stanton Peel, you mature out of different things. You don't mature out of this per se. It's just getting the tools to help you to notice it. Yeah. And that helps you stop a good bit. But I don't think you can ever fully stop it. So you don't see yourself ever being totally free of this condition? I'd love to be, but I just, I don't think it is. Like, it's been so many years now. Not that you give up hope, but you realise it might be just something you have to live with. Yeah. Do you take medication? No. Have you ever? No. Do you know if that's something that some trick patients do? From what I've seen, then again online, there is. But I don't think, I'd say you'd have to be really far down the track to avail of that. Okay, it's time for this. This is what I believe to be true. This is what I learned in the hospital. 
You have to do everything you can. You have to work your hardest. And if you do, if you stay positive, you have a shot at a silver lining. In this part of the podcast, we look at things, interests, which can cast a light on the difficulties of mental health issues like music or movies and uh, things which can offer some respite during difficult times. You told me earlier that you really like Arcade Fire. Yes. (laughs) How long has this been going on for? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know, since I was younger, my sister got me into them. So yeah, following her footsteps now. Mm. So. When you're um, feeling inclined to pull your hair out, are there any things that you would do to try and take your mind off it? Or do you like to listen to music when you're feeling stressed? Yeah, when I have time. But I suppose there's not much that I do to stop it. Maybe get up and clean. I love to clean. Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Not obsessively, though. (laughs) No, not that I... Maybe, actually. Uh, No, um... I don't know, just get out of that room. That's the big thing. Yeah. Then Remove yourself from the space. Yeah. Okay. And it's getting cold, so you don't want to leave that room. Kind of <laughs> yeah. So what's your favourite song by Arcade Fire? Putting yeah. you on the spot now. Yeah, probably <laughs> No Cars Go. Okay. Yeah. Let's have a listen to that. When you're feeling low, is there anything that you like to watch on TV or any movies that you particularly like or anything like that? The soaps. You love the soaps? Yeah. What's your favourite? Neighbours or something. Yeah? Yeah. But then again, TV is another one because you just wouldn't notice that you're too bad up into the programme and then you look down and, oh, look, I pulled my hair. Really? Yeah, but it's... So you could come to the ep- the end of a of an episode of Neighbours and you wouldn't have even realised, but during the last 20 minutes you would have been pulling your hair out. Yeah, depends on how boring the episode is, but yeah. Really? But how would you not be aware of that? Is it not painful to pull your hair at out? At this stage, no. No? No, it probably was at the start. You just get used to it, is it? Yeah. Okay. It's time for Mental Wealth Recommends. In the final part of the podcast, we look at things which may help people who are dealing with a particular mental health condition. This week, we're obviously focusing on trichotillomania. Um, You mentioned before, Katie, that you like to, or that you did in the past, you went to the support group that OCD Ireland offers for people who suffer with trichotillomania. um, And you found that helpful. Yeah, very helpful. It was only like one hour long and I stopped for good few months after it so I must have done something right What happened in the support group? Do you just talk about your Yeah it was actually a really small support group I think it was in the depths of winter and um, not many people showed up so there was about four or five of us and we just spoke about I don't know what went on in the week what was bad what was good kind of thing Yeah but, uh, and it was helpful to listen to the other people's stories. Yes, I suppose. Like there was one really friendly girl there, and um, she was saying, "Oh, come along to the next one." And I was like, "Okay." But uh, thankfully, I thought it was over. But it was over for a little bit. But um, now, if I do get the time, I will be going back because that works. So yeah, it might work again. So that is OCD Ireland's support group for. Um, people who suffer with trichotillomania and it is on 
Yeah, so it's a free monthly support group and it uh, takes place on the second Tuesday of each month in Room C in St. Patrick's Mental Health Hospital, which is in Dublin. And you can visit ocdireland.org for further information on that. I went on to the, I don't know how I must have got through a link and I found the OCD Ireland page and it was great help, but like going to the first and the only meeting I went to, that was nerve wracking. Really? Yeah. I'm sure. Especially like walking in, not knowing anyone and yeah, feeling like oh, they're going to judge me. But they didn't. They were so welcoming and so nice. Yeah, I think like obviously you can't publicise these meetings. or But if there was more awareness around the meetings, it'd be great help. Because as I said, it took me, what, almost eight or nine years to find something that actually worked for me that quick. What would your advice be... Um if there is someone listening to this podcast and they are finding themselves experiencing similar things to yourself, but they haven't been able to see anyone about it, what advice would you give to that person? Well, if you're if you have like a trust in GP, I'd say straight to the GP, or if not, even onto like Facebook, onto the OCD Ireland Facebook, and have a quick chat and go down to a meeting, maybe like like a forum first, if there is a forum for get on because it's easier than speaking face to face I suppose mm. talking to someone on a forum about it Would you recommend speaking to a friend or a parent or a partner? Honestly no because as I said you don't understand it until you have it you're kind of like what are you doing? So um, like yeah if you want to go ahead but I think the best thing for me was going to the professionals per se Okay yeah people Something. who understand it medically Yeah exactly if any of the listeners are interested in getting a book um, that explains a uh, trick and um, helpful techniques to deal with it, uh, I was on amazon.co.uk last night and there are secondhand copies of Help for Hair Pullers, Understanding and Coping with Trichotillomania, which comes recommended and that's available for £5 on amazon.co.uk. Katie, many thanks for joining us on Mental Wealth. And thank you, listeners, for downloading this podcast this month. Uh, Next month, I should say, in December, we'll be talking about social anxiety. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to comment on this episode of Mental Wealth, or if you would like to share your experience of mental ill health, or indeed recovery, you can email me, simon.tierney at newstalk.com. Or you can contact us on Twitter. Uh, The Newstalk Twitter handle is at newstalkfm.com.